I'm Aaron Armstrong. I'm Pete Moran. And we love to watch. We love to watch children turn into degenerate ninjas. Ain't no way we gon' fail. You know I got your back, just like a turtle shell. Nobody do it better. All my brothers tryna get some cheddar. We all wanna cut like the shredder. Me and my bros come together for the dough. Bought the orange Lamborghini, call it Michelangelo. With the nunchuck dough, and I'm pulling up slow. When we fall up in the party, they know anything goes. Check my Rolex, they say I'm the man of the hour. All this green in my pockets, you can call it turtle power. Well, 2017 is off to a terrible start yeah. for the for the Peter and Aaron show. Uh, <laughs> we need guests to make us like uh, approachable and friendly and engaging. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah, we we had the Jim Cotta episode with uh, with Liz last week, and it was quite a blast. And then yeah. I was coming back, and I was like, "So Aaron and I are going to have another weirdo, just him and me episode, like." <laughs> What are we going to do here? <laughs> yeah. Our our new episodes release the day that we record uh, the next week's episode. So I feel like that almost – the Jim Cotta episode was so funny. And not because of Peter and me. <laughs> but, oh, no. Uh, and you can tell by listening to it because uh, we – our guest is not the one laughing. We are the ones uh, uproariously laughing, <laughs> uh, and and so that like gives you a, a great a great like motivation to to come in and put on a good show, and then you set the bar super high for yourself, and then terribly disappoint yourself halfway through when you realize you are not going to meet up to the standards of last week's episode. Uh, <laughs> I feel I feel like our our best episodes come. Uh, after we release a terrible episode uh, <laughs> and and we're like, well, we can do better than that. We work through the chaff first and then we get to the wheat. So, yeah, something about wheat and chaff. Uh, but <laughs> but thank you so much for joining us on uh, on week two of motherfucking ninja month. We're going to be doing the cinematic classic. Uh, we, we talk about movies that we've seen a ton. Uh, this this beats the thing for me. This beats the fly. Superman to any of the really high level stuff. There's there's just no movie. Uh, I mean, there's there's probably like thirty movies we could ever do that would be that I've watched as much as Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Uh, not just from the incredible amount of rewatches as a kid, but and we'll talk about this more in the uh, in the episode proper. Uh, tons of rewatches as an adult, and we'll go into the circumstances of most of those rewatches uh, later on in the podcast. Yeah, I I uh, liked this movie a lot as a kid. I liked the first two of the movies, and probably the third also, because um, kids have no taste. I liked it, but I didn't own any of them on tape, so I just didn't watch them. Which is like the power of the VHS. We've talked enough about VHS shit on the show. We could have a whole episode just of like ten minute excerpts of us talking about history of VHS and how unique it was. But like because those tapes were so expensive, we don't even need to talk about it. We could just plug in a thirty minute deleted scene from a previous episode. Thanks, Tom Peeler. Because of that, like, if it wasn't a tape that my whole family wanted to watch, we didn't buy it. So I liked those movies as a kid, but I barely watched them. It was only basically when they were, like, on TV. So, like, this, Ninja Turtles 2, Hook, and Jurassic Park, I think it would be tough to beat because we owned all of them. King Kong versus Godzilla 2. Because we owned – we didn't own that many, like – you're right, like, kids' movies that I could watch over and over again – uh, on on VHS and the ones that we did 
uh, like we've talked about, got watched an incredible amount. And this movie absolutely uh, falls into that. And, and unlike some movies, even some movies I like, um, I kept watching it into adulthood uh, quite a bit. So it's it's been about four years since I've seen it, though. So it's kind of almost a nostalgia pick in some ways. So I think this will be a nostalgia audit audit for both of us. But yeah, Aaron, how was your New Year's Eve? Uh, fine. <laughs> yeah, mine was fine, too. Are they ever great? I mean, not, I don't think when you're married and have a kid, like maybe at best your, your story is that you went out and had a good time. And then when you had to get your kid in the morning, you were a shitty parent that day. (laughs) (laughs) Like the best story is your kid somehow is maybe sick and sleeps in with you. So you don't have to be a shitty parent. Yeah, there's no, I mean, we literally, we had a few drinks. um, A couple people came over. We played the, some poker, the Oregon Trail card game, but it was like. It was super reasonable, and I don't, no one even got buzzed, I think. Yeah, it, it happens eventually where you, I think you reach, if not an age, then you reach, like, a certain number of failed New Year's in your past that you're like, this this doesn't have to be epic. Like, this can win just by not being terrible. Yeah, I think New Year's, when you're single, too, and a little younger, it has that feeling of, like, a magical night, and I think that is, like, the fault of TV and movies as well. Like... New Year's is one of the few nights I think you can actually go out and not, like, not be the creepy person, like, at the bar or, like, at a party. I, I think it's just, like, it's not – Valentine's Day isn't like this. But there's something about New Year's that, like, you, you meet someone special and then you kiss at midnight. Like, all of those old, like, Cameron Crow and, uh, you know, special episodes of Friends, like, taught you <laughs> that, like, like New Year's Eve can be magical and you can meet the woman or the man of your dreams. And, you know, that never happened. But I, I, I always felt that uh, when I was younger, anyways, at least, like, you know, college age, early 20s. That's kind of what New Year's felt like to me. It's hard for certain people to admit how much tv and movies did fuck with their perspective on reality especially once you get to an adult age and you're supposed to have put a lot of these fantasies behind you but some of them are more like subtle and insidious and some of them is is uh the sort of like insane expectations that was that were worked up in a writer's room for like what new year's could be or what relationships are supposed to be or or even just like what sex is supposed to be like this like or how or how soon you're supposed to have sex. Yeah, exactly. I mean a lot of these a lot of these Hollywood liberals are saying you should have sex at eight years old, and I just don't agree with that. I'm at like three dates. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think eight year olds should wait till at least the fourth date. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> um all right, well let's move past all this. But yeah, TV's bad, movies are bad. <laughs> uh, but it is it is it's it's a it's a gray thing like it's not a black and white thing because like i think we grew up used to like especially like liberal people who love tv and movies we grew up used to making fun of those people the people will be like and tv will rot your brain and tv will make you make you into a crazy person like we grew up making fun of those people and especially because i grew up during the era when video games were like yeah. being completely roasted by uh prominent political th- figures like Joe Lieberman and even Hillary Clinton. I mean, I, I, part of the reason it took me a while to warm up to Hillary Clinton was because I remember her talking about like regulations on violent video games. Like, oh, so it's, just, so it's your fault. 
<laughs> um, but no, I know what you mean. And then like I remember in high school and I played or college and I played Grand Theft Auto 3 for the first time. And I immediately realized they were all right on some level, not to the extreme that they were, because I was I remember driving around the city and thinking about like in my mind, looking at every car of like, I could take that guy and I could take him out of his car and then I could just start driving his car. And it's like, (laughs) oh, this worked into my brain in a weird way (laughs) where they're wrong is that like. I had self-control as a human being, and I didn't have, like, actual any burning desire. It's just when I would look at a car, I'd be like, I could take that one, and then I could take that one. Like, Yeah, those dumb impulses can come from anything. Yeah. Just being an adult who has control uh, over what your actions are uh, makes you be able to, like, oh, well, that was a weird little fantasy I just had in my head. Yeah. And, uh... And, and I you, you definitely when it comes to, I think, relationships and dating, because that's such a huge part of, of the movies and TVs that we watch. Like even action movies have like a romantic subplot, horror movies, horror, you know, it's the only genre that constantly is present in other genres. Like there's no there's not that many romantic comedies that just occasionally have a slasher in it as a subplot. Yeah, yeah um, exactly. There, so so, I mean, if, if you if you never like stole uh, a line from a movie to say to someone that you wanted to date, I don't believe you. Yeah, exactly. Because, because that's like, there is some of that that just trains you how to think about those things. And, oh, I like what they said there. I'm going to say that to someone. And then they're going to like me like the person liked them in the movie. So um, it, It's weird in action movies, especially because we were talking about last week with like Jean-Claude Van Damme and Bloodsport and a couple of these other movies where either a woman is rescued from a rape or a woman is rescued from a not great boyfriend. And uh, rescued through violence, and then the woman's just, like, fawning over the uh, violent man. And that's, like, a legitimate a legitimate fantasy that I think. I'm going to save the woman, then she's mine. Yeah, I think that's a legitimate fantasy that men have. It's like, it's like finders you. keepers, yeah. Like, exactly. you find a penny. <laughs> it's really um, fucked up. Yeah, um, super fucked up. So, anyway, so speaking of New Year's, this is our first episode. We didn't want to put a guest through this uh, since we were back in 2017. Just like in real life, this podcast and its host has some New Year's resolutions that we'd like to share with you all uh, today. And what what we want to do as people and as a podcast better in 2017, or maybe not better, maybe just our promise to you, this is what we'll do. Um, I can start, Peter. I know we each, we each were supposed to come up with five. My first one is that uh, for, for We Love to Watch, New Year's resolution number one, we limit the year to only four horror themed months five tops six at maximum <laughs> seven that's getting into the gray zone like maybe <laughs> but the... no more than 10 <laughs> um yeah i i do agree with that that we have to keep set a cap on it because if it were up to me this would be a 90 percent horror podcast i think me too like horror movies are definitely there, because there's so many ones that are worth talking about, but I think I think it would get pretty stale from both our perspective hosting and from the listener perspective. Um, I don't think we're gonna have a fool's rush in type month anytime soon. There is a lot more genres that we're interested in exploring or uh, subgenres, and so yeah. What's your number one, Peter? My number one is pretty simple. Uh, stop describing things as weird or strange. Uh, I think it's a really easy adjective and it's easy to toss around because 
all of the movies we're talking about are weird. We're not talking about necessarily respectable movies. And we're not talking about necessarily uh, movies that everybody gives a shit about. So, yeah, weird just doesn't help. So that's a that's a specific call out. We, calling things weird and strange uh, is not something that I think is all that productive. I mean, if we have a list of 20 to 30 words, I can't get through one of these episodes without cringing at. I just described that as the craziest thing ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, <laughs> Five there's... seconds ago. It's at some point you just almost have to embrace the, your, the way that you put you put thoughts into words while like trying to make incremental improvements. Because, you know, a lot of people say they don't like their voice but after you do the show a while you're like i don't like how i keep saying stuff the same way so yeah number one is change our personalities and who we <laughs> got it. i just think that it's a good goal to set forward is just work on specific language ticks that i think you, annoy you uh or are just aren't making the podcast better sounds strange to me but i'm willing to try it <laughs> um uh my number two is we're going to continue to not do a zach braff theme month <laughs> It's not going to happen. I would love to continue to not do that. I'm working really hard every day. Every day. Yeah, every day I hear the shins. I do, like, a move that only I've done. And then I'm like, I'm going to put this on the calendar, and then I stop myself. <laughs> you know, sometimes you're weak. Sometimes I'm weak. Sometimes... Yeah. Ugh, excuse me. Sorry. You get choked up just thinking about Zach Braff theme <laughs> month. All those emotions that he brings to you. It's like, sometimes I wish I was here. Yeah, no, I I always wish I was here. Let, let's do a quiz quick. Can you name four, four Zach Braff movies? Garden State, Wish I Was Here, and the Scrubs movie that I nope. will edit together to make myself come up with three. Okay, well, there, I mean, four. Let's assume we're doing a full month. Can you even name three? No. Are we talking about uh, Zach, Zach Braff directed? Like, as no. An, as an auteur voice? Fe- featuring. 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 Featuring the Braff? Yeah. Uh, no, just two. The Braff Attack. The Braff what Attack. We would call the month that we're not going to do. Uh, I can name The Last Kiss, which I never saw, and The X with Jason Bateman. Those sound like movies that you definitely seen, didn't just make up. I've seen two of them. Uh, both are terrible, although definitely 2004 me probably liked Garden State. I liked Garden State at the time because I was like... I have watched it since. Like, I think even before the backlash started, I'm like, oh, this is like a reflection of what tools uh, 25-year-olds are. <laughs> so, I like not, that you didn't not say 24 or 26. You said exactly my That's age. That's exactly your age. <laughs> Thank you so much. What's your number two? Uh, to uh, this year, I would like us to watch more movies by uh, women filmmakers. Yeah, I, I think that's a great, uh, a great goal. We're we're not just like in my normal movie watching. I don't think that we're great at that, and it's it's sad because you know I I think it's a very a lot of people are doing stuff like that this year. And I think that is um, you know the the best way to get more women filmmakers active and making movies is to support the movies that have been made by uh, women filmmakers. And again, it's sad that. I don't know. We've done 40 movies and obviously we're not, we're not looking for, uh, in different genres in, uh, in different, different eras. And my guess is that not one of those has been directed by a woman. I think that for every Roman Polanski movie we do, we should have to do four movies by a female. Yeah. Like <laughs> yeah. But yeah, but I mean, my point is, is that like, we're not out there. We're just picking movies and it's a, you, it's hard to stumble into a movie on accident directed by women which i think is the saddest uh saddest way to it's sad that we have to make a conscious choice to do that um 
but the only way it's going to change is that if more people are seeking out those movies and saying these are great. Uh, and and uh, women weren't necessarily included by a lot of trash proprietors, uh, a lot of yep. the trash cinema uh, production companies uh, all the time. Even if the movie is entirely about women, very often it was directed by a man, which is just a, the nature of, of B movies and stuff. But we're not a B movie cult. Uh, no, it's called movie podcast. We can we have the flexibility to watch more movies uh, directed by and. Um, about women and are supportive of women. Agree 100%. My number three is um, I'm going to stop editing out all of your racist rants against uh, Canada. Um, we talked about it early on the podcast. It came up. Uh, and we've just been editing them out. And, you know, I know it's going to hurt our listenership, but our listeners deserve to know uh, the truth about one of the hosts' uh, deep-rooted anti-Canadian sentiment. Are you just trying to stop uh, a uh, Donald Trump in the making right now with me? Uh, I think so. I think I think you you just passively go, uh huh, yeah, no, we'll just take this out. Uh, this doesn't need in the Access Hollywood interview, not appropriate. And then later on, ten years from now, we're big podcasters uh, attending the Podcasting Hall of Famers, and someone's like, we dug up the tape. Yeah, let's get it right out of the way right now. Yeah, Canadians terrify me and their friendliness i think is a trick i think they're secretly like double triple quadruple style sarcastic i don't like that their blood is just essentially maple syrup i think that's creepy and tasty and that confuses me the, the real reason that i don't like canada is because i i love that their blood is maple syrup but technically murder in canada is illegal so I think I just hate them because I can't have. I mean, that's that's the ninth commandment. Thou shall not covet thy neighbor's blood. Yeah, it's, you know, that tasty, tasty blood. Tasty blood. Jehovah would be proud that you've been able to control yourself thus far. <laughs> um, all right. You're number three. My number three is I just really want to give, and I want our podcast to give Donald Trump a fresh start. Um, and I, I want to give him a chance, you know? Like, let's let's give him a clean slate and not focus on the myriad of crimes that he's committed in the past, but those that he will commit while in office. Yeah. No, I mean, this makes sense. I know you had a big change of heart on this. Yeah. Uh, which is why you've been like, let's redo Mother's Day, but from a positive angle, because your entire belief system has changed. Um, I find it disappointing. I, I find it refre refreshingly honest. It's important to he's the president elect. And, you know, he's he's only been alive for 72 years. He's probably got another five, six, seven left in him. Uh, you know, just because don't judge a person for the 90 percent of his life he has lived. Judge a person for the five to 10 percent that he could still live. Yeah. Judge him by the new ways that he could disappoint you. Yeah. Not by the ways that he's already disappointed you. Listen up, girls. If you're in a shitty relationship. Stick with it. Stick with it. Try to try to bring in some other terrible people to surround yourself with. <laughs> Just have like a relationship with with this terrible person. I'm just gonna cry a little bit. I think. Do you want me to like digitally rub your back? Uh, I didn't know we had that technology, but considering how impressed I was by PSVR, <laughs> um, I'm not gonna rule it out. <laughs> uh, uh, so side 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 thing. Uh, Aaron and I, both while wearing a PSVR, tried to feel a leather couch. 
Yep. So uh, I, well, shows... no, I tried to lean on it. <laughs> you you relied on you relied on its solidity as yeah. an object to support your body. Yeah, when my elbow sunk into it, I'm like, oh wait, that's right. I was I was getting my arms were tired from trying to uh, throw the lighter at the guy talking to me for ten minutes. <laughs> it's like, oh, I lit your cigar. And now I'm going to <laughs> seek to ruin that cigar for you. Yeah, uh, that shit is amazing though. But it that's is. A, that's so a whole different topic, yeah. Uh, number so number four, uh, Peter's probably going to be moving farther away out of the Midwest to the Pacific soon, uh, and my resolution is that I'm gonna when we're recording and you're you're out on the Pacific coast, um, I resolve to talk louder so that you can still hear me. That's very sweet of you because and being in a different time zone, I just don't know if that's gonna that's going to be an issue but i appreciate you talking oh that's about right it. i gotta send i gotta send my thoughts back in time too mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I got just a yell at logistical stuff just find somebody driving a delorean break the window and just yell into the delorean and then they'll drive off and bring the message right to me okay so do you think that you could get confused that the message is breaking glass and swearing <laughs> uh at least we'll know that the message got through Okay, yeah, just let me know. Yeah. Just be like, I got your message. You're in a lot of trouble. (laughs) (laughs) We we totally get time zones, everybody. (laughs) Um, I should say I work for a national company. True story, I still don't get time zones. I constantly get them wrong. I am 33 years old, and I will show up for um, meetings on the East Coast, thinking that they're like an hour behind. Um, Like, I, I, I don't never get them right. But there's like 25% of the time, I really just can't seem to, to figure out what it means. It's only confusing when the time doesn't seem to make sense. Like if someone says like, uh, I will talk to you at 6 p.m. And you're like, so are we meeting after work hours? Or yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, it did happen recently. I missed I missed a meeting because someone on the East Coast, I'm on Central Time, and said, uh, said yeah, we'll do, we'll do 9 a.m. And I'm like, perfect. Because... And I'm like, so 10 a.m. my time. <laughs> um, and so, like, I call, you know, call it. I get an email saying that I missed the meeting. But I'm like, because in my head, I'm like, well, there's no way they'd want me to meet at 8 a.m. So the only thing that makes sense is that this is 10 a.m. I'm just going to uh, accept the invite and never think about this again. <laughs> I'm almost positive that if we ever uh, expand this into a network with like ad streams and stuff, we're going to need someone else to run our money because apparently <laughs> we're both confused by yeah. basic mathematics. My wife, my wife, my wife is heavily in charge of our bills. <laughs> <laughs> um in this new uh, Trumpian world, I resolved to be more cold, callous, and unfeeling because that's the only way that a human being with empathy is going to survive these next four years. That's perfect. Um, I mean, right now you've cried at like five or six movies. Try to get that down to zero. Yeah, I need to work my way backwards. Yeah. Um, eventually, I will just like movies that are uh, videos of industrial machinery. I-, I think a bigger test for you, watch those movies that made you cry. And um, and if you do shed a tear, punch yourself in the dick. I, I yeah, that's a great idea. Um, but what if what if I uh, resolve to use electric shock therapy? Uh, that's science technology. Don't trust it. God gave you a fist so you could punch your own dick without <laughs> using evil scientists. Uh, you know the science for electricity disputed. So my number five. 
Uh, I resolved to actually watch one of these movies someday. Wow, you haven't done it yet? Not yet. Uh, I mean, Wikipedia synopsis, synopsises, synopses are, are uh, maybe I should have a, a resolution about pronunciations. Uh, <laughs> if you can't say but, it, don't say it. Yeah. Uh, Wikipedia summaries. Um, <laughs> and they're pretty, you know, they give a lot of information. Enough, you may notice that I never know the names of any characters in any of these movies or half the time the actors. Uh, and that is why. We have something in common, at least for this movie, because I do not know the names of any of the Ninja Turtles and cannot assign names to any of them. Are you joking? I just realized today that I'm somehow a millennial that has no affinity for the Ninja Turtles somehow. Okay, well, I guess we're going to really get into it. I was going to say, this is the only movie we've ever done where I know everyone's name. (laughs) (laughs) Don't even need to look it up or write myself notes. For some reason, Um, I remembered April O'Neil, but I couldn't remember any of the actual Ninja Turtles names. Wow. Okay. Um, All right. And your final one. My final one is to eat less animal products. Oh, okay. Yeah. Doesn't really have anything to do with the podcast or fucking nerd. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, I actually, I actually tricked you. I have a number six. Uh, I know that we said we'd only do five. That's why my number six resolution is to always be just a little better than Peter. <laughs> <laughs> and my number six is to nope, stop doing nope. this fucking yeah. podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe your number six should be to stop copying Aaron's good ideas. <laughs> Uh, is it copying if I'm making them better? Uh, that, I, that, well, that's not copying. That's uh, that's called an homage. Yeah, uh, a homage. Uh, yeah, homage. <laughs> All right. I'm just gonna start fucking with you so that you eventually don't know how to pronounce anything. I know what the words are supposed to be said as. Yeah, some of these were real. Yeah, <laughs> some of them weren't. Yeah, use your best judgment. Yeah, use your best judgment. Have you listened to other podcasts before? Yeah, that we're uh, good people in any way, shape, or form. Yes. Uh, yeah, some of mine were real. I mean, we're definitely not doing a Zach Braff month, so that's most real. definitely that's real. Of all these, um, we're most committed to that one. <laughs> yes, we'll underline that the Trump one and the women one. 100% accurate. Yeah. <laughs> At least half of those. All right. Uh, now do you want to start talking about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Let's talk about some, some gosh dang Ninja Turtles. Five second recap. Uh, a Japanese man beats up a turtle's dad. And then uh, the dad comes back and beats up that guy. Okay. <laughs> Stepdad. <laughs> Whoa. I didn't realize we had some sort of elitist about... Uh, is there a term for people that don't believe that uh, adoption is a legitimate means of... Hey, I just watched some sort of children's television show. I think it was uh, Sophia the First, where uh, she learned that her stepdad is just as good as a real dad, and there was no shame in knowing that uh, he was the stepdad. It's weird that they even address that now, because I remember growing up, it was like everybody with a stepdad in children's television was like, just because your parents got divorced doesn't mean you're that you're garbage. A lot of it was too like, if your stepdad ever does anything that you don't feel comfortable with, it's okay to tell someone. Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, or just like this stepdad being like a drunk. 
Like that's yep. that is basically what we grew up with with tel- children's television. Yeah. So that's pretty awesome. Well, I remember Sesame Street like very early on. Like when I was a kid, had a song, and I don't remember how it goes, but it was it was basically a song like how families come in all shapes and sizes, and they had like same sex couples. Sesame Street has always been like well ahead of the game. Yeah, I mean on, it's also stuff. It's funded by public broadcasting, so you know, commies. Yeah, communists trying to tell us there's no wrong way to make a family. Uh, maybe maybe a woman will marry a chair and yeah. uh, divorce her husband. Uh, yeah, it's a slippery slope, guys. <laughs> slippery slope. And that's why adoption shouldn't exist. Yeah. Um, do you think there were households? Like, my parents were super conservative, but they never had a problem with fucking Sesame Street. Do you think there's probably a bunch of, like, Republican households who... We're like, not in our house. <laughs> Most definitely, because yeah. it's public broadcasting. It's, it's like when people talk shit about NPR, you know how full of shit they are, because you're like, you've never listened to NPR before. Like, all you know is, like, a stereotype of NPR that was handed down 30 fucking years ago. I do, I do, yeah, I do remember my dad, uh, when they used to have the, they probably still have this, the PBS pledge drives, and him complaining that, you know, they don't need this pledge drive, they get all their money from the government. <laughs> yep, that's how it works. It's, it's, it's like, do you want more of your tax money to be spent on this? Like, yeah, they... Yeah, talk about wanting it both ways. Yeah. They, they both are upset the tax dollars are going there and upset when they ask for money. You're like, oh, yeah. God forbid that the private sector step in. Oh, wait. I, I said that out loud. So anyway, speaking of the best children's television show. Um, no. Yeah. Do you want to give us the 90 second? Yeah, recap? let's do 90 second <laughs> recap on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So as it starts, uh April O'Neil, intrepid news reporter, is filling in all the confused parents why all these people in mass are running around the city. <laughs> uh, they, uh, the Foot Clan, try to attack April O'Neil. Uh, Raph saves her, uh, but does disguises himself, but loses loses his favorite weapon, uh, the right sigh. <laughs> um, so fucking dumb. Um, <laughs> but uh, so eventually the. Uh, the Foot Clan wants to go after April O'Neil because she's reporting on all these uh, crimes being committed by them throughout the city. Uh, they, they try to attack her again. This time, all the Ninja Turtles rescue her. They don't know what to do with her, and they take her back where Splinter tells her a very prepared story about how they came to be. Um, and uh, they go out to talk to her, bring her back home, and when they come back, they realize the Foot Clan has followed them home and kidnapped uh, Master Splinter. Uh, from there, the Foot Clan attack Raph, beat beat the shit out of him. They have to leave the city for a while, like the fucking mobs after them. <laughs> rest up. Uh, meanwhile, you're like at the halfway mark. You're finally introduced to Sh- Shredder, whose uh, big plan is to take literally hundreds of kids to his secret hideout and say that we're family. Please go rob TVs from old people. Not a great plan, I gotta tell you. Yeah, the resale um, value on that TV must not been very high. I mean, maybe 1990, but uh, meanwhile, he is talking to to Splinter and grilling him about where April O'Neil is. Uh, one of the weird things about this movie, and we're going to get into this, is that, like, 
the shredder, the main antagonist and the main protagonist don't know that either one exists until the last 10 minutes, <laughs> um, which is very uh, bizarre. Uh, Splinter does reveal to shredder at the very end that he's the, he's the rat that gave him a scar back in his walking on four legs days. So eventually that comes to a head. They rescue master splinter. Uh, they have a confrontation on the roof where the Ninja Turtles all get the shit beat out of them. Uh, and then splinter, uh, fools them into falling into a garbage truck where uh, Casey Jones, yet unmentioned, uh, commits a murder. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, <laughs> that's why it was dark and edgy. <laughs> yeah, but our heroes are murdering people. Uh, at one point, too, Leonardo does slice uh, a a foot soldier with a with the sword. Uh, they they make it seem like his swords are made out of sticks, but he does just whack a sword at a at a unarmored person. So I'm assuming there was some severe damage off screen. <laughs> and the weird thing is that like so, people were pretty upset about the violence in this movie. Uh, certain people like uh, even. The woman who plays April O'Neil uh, complained about the violence and were worried about it, which to me, in retrospect, seems so crazy. I don't think anything in this movie is particularly uh, grating by, like, modern standards. Like, yeah, it is the grim and gritty Robin Hood Prince of Thieves. It is not the grim and gritty, like, Suicide Squad or yeah. Batman versus Superman. It's got, like, a little bit of an edge, and they shot the whole thing at night. So parents are like, that is so dark. Yeah. <laughs> like and they the, mean it literally and this movie is full of ninja turtles making like the lamest cartoon jokes ever and like dancing and like i think i think we're about to have a wildly different <laughs> um there's just like the sense of humor is very very kitty and the ninja turtles themselves like if you don't find them like sweet in a childish way you would find them incredibly creepy they would not work in an adult movie at all. I do think it's telling, though. So this movie made like $200 million at the box office. Yeah. It was like the biggest independent movie of all time until like, I think, my big fat Greek wedding. Yeah. It was huge. They released another movie a year later, and it made $78 million at the box office. I can, at Being a kid at that time and going to see these in theaters, I can guarantee you that that box office drop-off was not because kids did not care about the Ninja Turtles anymore. It's because there was probably a shit ton of parents who were like, I'm not going to that again. Yeah. Whether, whether because it was too violent or they fucking hated it. Either way, they're like, nope. Yeah, it's... Because there's no way in nine months. It was less than a year. No, yeah. I was a kid. And the the kids were not abandoning the Ninja Turtles. Oh, yeah. I thought this movie was amazing a kid, as a kid. I thought all three of them were amazing as a kid. So at some point, parents were like, I can't listen to these fucking guys talk yeah. about getting pizza one more time. I, speaking of how movies affect you in real life, I have no idea how much Ninja Turtles... And the Land Before Time Pizza Hut promotion affected me in regards to how much I love pizza. But I have to imagine there's a significant portion of the reason I eat pizza so much is yeah. because of those two things. Yeah, there has to be. A, a oh, and book it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and um, cigarettes and booze and gambling um, because of this movie as well. And book it. <laughs> also book book it. If you read one book, it was a pizza personal pan. Two books. 
that's a pack of cigarettes. Marlboro <laughs> Fresh. Um, so let's let's take a step back. Let's talk about our history of this movie. So I saw it in theaters. I saw it in theaters when I was seven. I came out right before my seventh uh, birthday. My uh, dad took me to it the opening weekend. He was a little late uh, coming back from work. And so we missed the first five or ten minutes, and the theater was packed, and I had to sit in the seat in front of him uh, for us to even be together. Uh, which So I spent half the movie terrified of strangers, because I was that kid at age seven, uh, and then I didn't get to sit next to my dad, and I couldn't see him. But, uh, so I, but I really liked the movie. I uh, liked the second one way more. Uh, because of the Super Shredder and adding the other mutants. Uh, this movie, watching it again, it is it is kind of funny how there's not a big set piece. There's not really any big moments. It just, it's very low-key and it's very oddly structured. Uh, but I sh- so, but I still watched it a ton as a kid because Ninja Turtles were like, they were, they were definitely my big childhood uh, thing. I was the perfect age for when they came out, and then they lasted for like the duration. I was still watching. I was still watching. I think the last season of the Ninja Turtle cartoon when I was twelve, like right about to be in junior high. So, so it was a really big part. Uh, I also kept watching it uh, quite a bit as a as a college student because I don't know if you had one of these, Peter. No, but this was like in my rotation. Of like top ten movies I watch when I come back from the bar, like it was like this and the Back to the Future trilogy, and I I always like to do like series, and I would plan to start. I was gonna like you know you get home, you're like I'm gonna watch all three Back to the Future movies tonight. You make it through maybe the first one, maybe the first twenty minutes of part two, and so I I would have that plan with the first two Ninja Turtle movies a lot as well. Um and would almost always make it all the way through this one and then not get very far in Ninja Turtles 2. So I can't remember the last time I watched this movie sober, but <laughs> I have watched it a lot. But yeah, my history with this movie is uh, that, yeah, I loved it. Like I talked about before, I liked it as a kid a lot, and I really like enjoyed the um, the goofiness of it and the fact that there was fighting in it. Like That was something I was really, really into as a kid, but... As I got older, never, never really watched it again. So all, all my memories of this were very hazy. I forgot that Casey Jones was a big thing in this. <laughs> like I forget, I forget that Casey Jones is is a thing in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles mythology, like at all. Like I, every time that I think about the, like, does anybody think about the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? And they're like, yeah, and their reporter friend April O'Neil, and then that is it. <laughs> yeah. Like, so or like Vern. So I think um, he. I think he's a big part of it now. That's the weird thing about Ninja Turtles, and it's been, like, a common joke. Like, no one fucking thought 25 years later, like, Ninja Turtles would still be what the kids were watching. And they are. Like, they have more live-action movies, and there's been a long-running... There's been, like, eight cartoon series now. Yeah, the cartoons just keep running back-to-back, it seems like. So so I think... And I've only... I've probably seen... At least 90% of the episodes of that original, like, 10-season cartoon series. And Casey Jones was not a big part of that at all. But I think subsequently he has become a big part. So, I got, I got big questions about this Casey Jones guy. Um, why, why? Why? Why is he there? I'm not sure. You know, I'm not sure. <laughs> There's already fucking Ninja Turtles. Like, why do we need, like, somebody else? 
Well, they did bring one in in the second one, too, because Casey Jones in the third one, uh, which I've only seen once as a kid and didn't like it then. Um, And they bring in Kino in the second one, who instead of Casey Jones, he's the he's the pizza delivery guy, Ernie Reyes. Uh, I told you I was going to know every name and every actor (laughs) for this for this one. Uh, Yeah. What time is it right now in New York? Yeah, uh, it is uh, 11. Wow, I'm impressed. So they they did think they needed, I think they needed someone to like commiserate with April more than anything and be like, check out these turtle guys. This is weird, (laughs) right? Um, But I I actually remembered him playing a bigger role in this movie. He is just kind of nothing. He has the the scene with uh, Raph. In Central Park, and then he kind of shows up at the very end to save their asses uh, during the uh, the antique store fight on the roof. Um, and then he has a couple lines where he's flirting with April. It, I think it was just to give her a love interest. I think your uh, number of minutes and how this movie is divided up is a little uh, funky. Casey Jones is in a lot of this movie. He's the main character of the whole second act. Like, I don't where think they. That- no, he, he, just, he comes to he, save them from the lot, from the antique store, and then he is the main character. The whole segment in the fucking um, when they they go to that house out in the country, he is not. April's narrating it. They're talking about the turtles. He has a couple lines where he's like fixing stuff with Donatello, and no, there's the turtles are the barely character. in the second act. It's really weird. Like Casey Jones is like the main person. Him or April are the main per- people in the second act, and it's clearly done as a move to save money on and in, in production time on the the costumes. So even if he's definitely that's where he's featured the most it's, and he it's, saves Splinter, but but he has that three minute scene in the park with Raphael that I told you how weirdly structured this movie is. That so antique weird. store fight doesn't come until about 65 percent through the movie, 70 percent. And because it's almost an hour into an hour and 35 minute movie because I was watching the time and being like, this is so bizarre. Like they go off into their little retreat like. As you're approaching the third act, not the second act. It's like 10 minutes. It's way minutes. more than 10 minutes or 15 minutes. No. It's it's a significant amount of time where they're – and then they're fucking around with him like sleeping in the – sorry, not just the time where they're in country. Also, when they get back to the city – I'm also including the time when they get back to the city and they and he doesn't want to sleep in the, the okay. sewers. Yeah, the that country's is, only like – like it's mostly montage and then the turtles go out and train without – April and Casey Jones. Yeah, and the montage is very short compared to Casey Jones flirting with April. That's like there's like three or four scenes dedicated, to like he's make chopping vegetables with her. Yeah, they're, they're, I feel like they're, they're really fighting. they're really quick though. It is it, it it didn't for me. It felt like that whole that whole like second act of the movie a slog for me because I do not like Casey Jones. He's like the poochie of this movie. <laughs> I. I think it's hard to talk about second act. Maybe that's where I think our language is breaking down because this movie has like six acts. It's true. I guess I say second act in the sense that it's like everything is set up and then the second act is the... Because that literally puts the first act at an hour of the hour and a half movie. <laughs> yeah. I think I'm more saying up in Star Wars terms where that middle act is when Shredder's been fucked up and they're in hiding and they're trying to get their training back on which is not just star wars terms but also kung fu movie terms and and martial arts movies terms where 
they suffer a loss at the top of the first act and then the whole second act is trying to get back from that loss and then the third act is then galvanized to go fight the baddie yeah that's that's fair if you're dividing it that way but it does leave the entire first hour of this movie as the first act so i'm not i'm not criticizing you it's just a bizarre it is bizarre how they set this whole thing up it's very uh episodic yep and the episodes don't always always connect well. And, uh, the things they spend a lot of time on, you're sometimes like, okay, you could get through that part uh, more. I mean, that was the thing as a kid. It was I wanted more fight scenes. And I think Ninja Turtles 2 does a better job of uh, putting those throughout. And I still think that, to be honest. 2 is more energetic, I think. And uh-huh. they uh, had figured out the costumes a little bit more. I feel like this movie, they had to do rewrites at some point during production and and, and install more shit in between. the Or they had a second unit people handling all the, the Casey Jones stuff or something. Because yeah. that stuff feels like filler, like crazy. It does. And the, the fight scenes are few and far between. And and that's what you want to see. You want to see Ninja Turtle action. Now I will I will give this movie credit when the fight scenes happen. They are still enjoyable. Um, I got I got a lot of fun out of all the little turtling, uh, both both the antique store fight and when they're in the sewers just fucking up uh, foot soldiers. That's enjoyable to me. The final confrontation I feel falls tremendously short. Oh, I do um, too. I, I I should say so I. This is a tough movie for me to talk about because I enjoyed every minute of the 95 minutes, noted all the weird choices, but I I don't think if I'm being – I can laugh at a lot of things about this movie. I'm not going to defend it as a good movie, Um, but I really enjoy watching it, and I can both recognize that if I had seen this as a 25-year-old, I probably wouldn't like it, but – and I can see all the areas where it doesn't work, but I'm probably not going to be able to talk about this uh, fairly in the sense that, like, I still loved watching this. Um, and I know that there is a part of that that is me remembering what it's like to be a kid and watch this. But I, I still think there's some parts that work really well, and I still had a ton of fun. But it's that ton of fun that I would – if you told me I've never seen Ninja Turtles and I'm 30 years old, I'd be like, well, don't fucking watch Ninja Turtles yeah. because you will not enjoy it. I didn't have the nostalgia boost that I expected out of it because my enjoyment of the series fell off over the years uh, or it was just subjugated into something else. Like, so my love of like goofy action scenes and and fights like this or ninja iconography was just pushed into other action movies and stuff. So my, uh, I don't have a lot of nostalgia for for this movie and I... uh, it's important when I haven't seen the new Michael Bay produced ones. I saw the first one last year and I could not tell you a thing about it. Yeah. I, I, Besides, I, I didn't like it. I haven't seen it. Uh, I haven't seen that one or the second one. I heard the second one slightly better. But anyways, a lot of people were like fucking offended by the idea of Michael Bay coming back and making a or producing a remake of the Ninja Turtles movies. And I was like, what? what why? Like what? What? What about them is so so sacrosanct? Like, do they? Because I literally know, nothing. I mean, there's no people they, that grew. There, no. No, nobody that's talking about this is talking about the comic books. Let's get that out of the way. They're talking about one of the cartoon series and the live action movies, right? I know people read the comic books. I don't want to make someone pissed off by saying they didn't actually read the comic books, but I'm saying that the the, the nostalgic. 
love for this series is not because of the fucking comic books. True. I, I think the, the TV show uh, in the last two seasons where they started doing like serialized storytelling, uh, I watched it a few years ago because I ended up getting all the seasons because I'm that that person. Uh, I liked it as a kid. I want to own it again yeah. now that I have money. Um, and I thought a lot of it still held up really well. And there's a, there's a lot of fun one off episodes. And you can criticize that they kept introducing all of these characters uh, to sell more action figures, which I owned a bunch of. But having said that, they do create this amazingly intricate, complicated world of all these different villains and characters and people that like a, that it's rare to have for like a 10 season children's show. Uh, they, you know, they don't usually last that long. And plus, you know, fuck Turtles in Time is still one of the best beat em ups of all time. So it, it's more I don't have any critical distance just because it's been an omnipresent throughout my entire life. I mean, I never I never stopped watching Ninja Turtles, uh, at least the ones that I watched as a kid. And while I've never watched any of the new shows, I've heard from a lot of people that the new Nickelodeon series is really good. Um, and, I, I, you know, they have there's enough characters and interesting stuff going on in the universe to make good movies and good stories. I honestly believe that. I think the mistake is I've heard this from bad movie podcasts uh, where the first one's the good one that holds up. And then uh, the second one is one that people love, but they shouldn't because it's terrible. And the third one, everyone kind of agrees is a big piece of garbage. Because by that, everyone's uh, aged out of the, <laughs> that. It's also really bad. Like, I didn't like it as a kid. They go back in time. Uh, it's just... I mean, I'd actually be interested in watching it. Maybe maybe they do something interesting that I didn't like as a kid because they didn't have April O'Neil in it and they didn't have all the other characters. And they were like, who wants to see a whole Ninja Turtle movie set uh, in the 16th century? But maybe maybe it's better now that I don't that I wasn't disappointed that it wasn't meeting my expectations for a Ninja Turtle movie when I was a kid. Anyway, or maybe be more patient or something. I don't know. Yeah, maybe it is super good. It just broke the mold. It was ahead of its time. (laughs) Um, but I think that's bullshit. I think that I actually, I still maintain the second one is the, the most fun, uh, of the series. I think the, the first one is slightly more gritty, but they're acting like it's fucking Tim Burton's Batman. And it just, you know, the lighting's a little different. I, 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 I agree hundred percent that the, the, the nostalgia story of how these movies work is bullshit it relatively that story might pan out like i might i might hate too when i rewatch it eventually uh relatively that story might pan out uh in the sense of like yeah i guess like the first one's the most like competent but yeah two uh well last time i watched two i remember thinking it was really fun like it's just david warner's in it it's got a lot of funny i actually think this movie has some funny jokes but I think two actually brought some more funny jokes where it was kind of playing with uh, the seriousness of the first one. And the first one isn't all that serious, but the second one's like, I think embraces the ridiculousness of the concept a little more. And, and fuck, I can still say all the words for ninja rap. Is it just go ninja, go ninja, go, go ninja, no, go there's, ninja, there's a, go? There's, there's two verses. Two verses? Mm-hmm. Wow. It starts with yo. 
with a green machine. Okay, well, that's, that's all we'll do. You can pipe it in. I can I can drop in a beat if you want. You have you, just, have just... you ever seen a turtle get down, Peter? Slam it and jam into the new swing sound. You clearly want to keep going. You could... I don't want to keep. I don't really want to keep. Going. I want to actually get into this movie. Say this movie uh, has some some jokes. Uh, I agree that the movie has things that technically qualify as jokes, but like, uh... do you want to? So here's some parts I think are funny. Um, hold on. I I incredibly have to say this now. For some reason, I have a ridiculous amount of notes for this movie, which is probably the first movie on this podcast I didn't need to rewatch to write down all my notes. And I have more notes in this movie than any other movie I think we've ever done. <laughs> I don't know why. Um, so I like the like uh, looks like sort of a big turtle in a trench coat. <laughs> I think that's a very funny line when they're like, what was that with the cabbie? And Raphael jumps over his cab, and the cab driver... This movie... I want to get into this a little further. This movie's very a New York story. Um, but I like that the I like the cab driver's blase, like, looks like sort of a big turtle in a trench coat. You going to LaGuardia? Okay, so that's a decent joke. Why is Raphael a Humphrey Bogart character? Is, is Raphael that one? Uh, I want to know what's in Raphael's backpack that he carries around more than anything. Uh, snacks. Humphrey Bogart always carried snacks. Remember that part in Casablanca? Well, Michelangelo does the the so like the when they're doing impressions and April O'Neil's laughing hysterically. That is like he's just doing a bad impression, and she is she's laughing like she just saw Richard Pryor for the first time, <laughs> just tumbling over. Though to be fair, if I saw something that's stupid looking making a joke, I would probably laugh really really hard too. He's just saying like you dirty rat, and she's like. <laughs> the best thing I've ever seen. So so the other joke I think is like good. I only wrote down a couple, but there there were a lot of cringe ones. I'm not going to say that this movie has a I mean it's still a kids movie with a kid sense of humor. Raphael has a lot of good line deliveries. And 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 I couldn't believe that that voice changed from the first and the second one because I think the the voice actor is very good in both and sounds almost exactly alike. Um but there's a part where he's like, yeah, Leo, I'm crazy. And the, the line delivery and the joke is uh, is pretty good, I thought. I disagree that any of the voice acting is good in this movie. <laughs> so my, my note on that is I really like the voice acting minus Splinter, who I want to save a whole section on. Splinter is fun because it's a uh, it's not only Super bad, racist. but offensive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But uh, voice by you know voice Splinter, by Kevin the traditional Clash. it is, yeah, Kevin Clash. You know Splinter, the traditional Japanese name. Oh, another fun thing, another fun thing. Uh, I was pretty much at the finale of this movie before I realized uh, the difference between Splinter and Shredder in terms of names because they sound very similar. You you like belong in some sort of exhibit. How do you not know these things? Um, so anyway, they both sound like bad people. In I guess you were, you were born in the nineties. That's how. Yeah. Um, I know bebop and bebop and rocksteady. That's correct. Yeah, they are not in any of these movies. They're not. Uh, they're not in the second ones. No, it's Toke on Razor because they had trouble getting the rights to bebop and rocksteady. Oh God, why do I know bebop and rocksteady? Then they're on the cartoon. They're in oh, the okay. Room. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, they were omnipresent in the cartoon. Uh. It was disappointing. I remember as a kid that it wasn't Bebop and Rocksteady, but it was good that they had two mutants finally, which which this one was like this. This movie, I remember as a kid, it, like it had Shredder, but it kind of barely had Shredder. And it didn't. You know, the thing about the cartoon was there was Shredder and then there was Krang and then there was Bebop and Rocksteady and then there was all these other side villains. So 
And the Foot Clan were like these ro- cool robots, uh, mainly so that they could, you know, disembody them on the cartoon show. It's just wires and sparks. As opposed to children that need to be punched in the face until they give up. Yeah, so so that, I mean, so that that's, I remember, why another reason why the second one felt like an improvement, because it wasn't just uh, Shredder and uh, Tonka. Um, oh, they have the worst Tatsu, Tatsu, too, sorry. Right? Tatsu, yeah. Like I Tatsu. Because they're like baby mutants? Uh, yeah, they're like, mama. Yeah, that. Thank you. That's exactly... Were you were you uh, which which were you Reptar or or Tonka truck in the original one? I think I think Toka is the turtle, but I'm not 100 percent sure. <laughs> it's Toka. It's like a, it's like an itchy and scratchy situation. <laughs> um, so uh, I but so I think that uh, fucking Corey Feldman, who's not in the second one, I actually really like Donatello's voice in the second one, um, and he, Corey Feldman is inexplicably back in the third one, uh, but. Corey Feldman is so terrible in this movie, like so horribly miscast. I it was nails on the chalkboard every time. Who did, who did he play? Me. Donatello. Donatello. What's Donatello? Donatello was the one that sounded like Corey Feldman. <laughs> so like a traditional Corey Feldman accent. Like a traditional sounded exactly like Corey Feldman. Yes. <laughs> Uh, 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 I don't remember any of that. All of their see, okay, so he was a purple one, who didn't who didn't do much in this movie. Like Donatello in the second one is like the science guy. That's what he was in the cartoon. Uh, Donatello, quote unquote, does machines. If you if you watch the cartoon, <laughs> oh, he song. does machines. He does machines. Uh, so like yeah. he has a real girl doll. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I don't know if that's a machine. <laughs> I think some are. I don't. I don't know enough. I don't know enough about them. Peter, you sound pretty defensive. Um, how dare you call <laughs> Martha a machine? Um, <laughs> named it Martha, so in case I meet a superhero, your mom and my real doll have the same name. <laughs> don't punch me, please. Uh, are you saying? Yeah, no, a, was, are you saying if you have a real doll and you were in a comic book that you wouldn't be the villain? It'd be Punch City, baby. Okay, well, I can't argue with that. <laughs> so, okay, I need you. Let's take a so step Corey back. So, Corey Feldman was the purple one. Yeah, so he does, but he really doesn't do much in this movie. He's just kind of Michelangelo's buddy. They they almost made, like, two Mike. So, Michelangelo's the one with the orange one who makes all the jokes and, like, hits on April O'Neil uncomfortably. And then eventually uh, he, and then he eventually gets friend-zoned because the movie decided that interspecies relationships are horrible and uh, Casey Jones needed to be the one to, to smang it by the end. Yep, now he's an MRA. Uh, <laughs> no, but I mean, I think that's like light flirting. It, I actually think, if I remember correctly, it gets worse in the second one, which is, we can talk about that later, but. People should be saying these turtles should fuck. Yeah. <laughs> he's still, yeah. He's like, I want to put my little turtle penis into you. <laughs> that's the secret of the you. ooze, baby. Yeah. <laughs> still got it. <laughs> um, Never had it. Yeah, but. Uh, you know, he's still cheering on Casey Jones in April at the yeah. end with the rest of them from the roof. Yeah, he's a good he's he's a good friend zoner. Yeah, he he accepted the, his fate as a uh yeah, they I, at one point I think they introduced a girl turtle on the cartoon a, maybe, gir- a girdle? Maybe, a girdle. <laughs> maybe they boned. I really don't uh, need to know. So, do, do turtles even have penises? We'll never know. We'll never know. Uh, so, so when I was watching this with my girlfriend, 
Uh, oh, what did she think of it, by the way? She was uh, having a lot more fun than me, actually, for once. Uh, this is someone. Can who we called... get her on the show? Is yeah, she there? I, I tried very hard. Uh, hard nose, uh, left and right. Um, oh, well, she has met me, so she's like, I'm never talking to him again. That's why we're moving to the West Coast. <laughs> Don't want this once a year, four hours visits god damn that she she was uh say she was telling me that uh she liked ninja turtles as a, as a kid uh mm-hmm. she called them turlers i i i, I rescind my invite <laughs> <laughs> and that she's she had a lot of questions about the uh the turtle boys and uh i have a lot of questions as well but i was able to at least answer her basic questions which is she wanted to know so are these people or turtles and i said the answer is kind of both but they're just turtles they are just turtles they're turtles they got got radioactively uh mutated yeah so here's what's weird though so the whole crux of the splinter shredder um relationship dichotomy dichotomy (laughs) yeah yin and yang shall we say uh is that so his his in this movie, Splinter is just a rat who becomes a bigger rat who was owned by Hamato Yoshi, which was uh, the adversary of uh, uh, Oroko Saki, who eventually became the Shredder. In the in every other material that I'm aware of, Hamato Yoshi became Splinter. So in in this series, in this in these three movies. The, the whole point is that Splinter and Shredder have this, like, long-standing uh, antagonism and rivalry. It's just that Splinter became – he became a rat um, because of probably unexplained ooze-related situations. Uh, and this one, to make him the pet of the adversary, I think causes a lot of problems about why no one knows that anyone else exists – and and there's never any rivalry until the very end, uh, really. And that's when the turtles like it's ten minutes left in your movie. The turtles meet the Shredder. This is the big. This is the Luke Skywalker versus Darth Vader of this movie. And they're like, "Who's that dude?" Yeah, exactly. Like he. There's no. There's no real anticipation. It's just like you just assume that the villain is this um, kind of bland Asian stereotype. In the bald, the bald guy that's with them. Who's the bald martial artist that beats the shit out of one of the kids? Uh, Tatsu. Tatsu, apparently, before they uh, before they changed the edit, Tatsu uh, murdered that kid. Oh, it does. Like, everyone is shocked. Like he murdered him. So that's like a G.I. Joe cartoon, the movie, where Duke clearly dies, and then parent groups or whatever were upset about the Transformers killing off their cast in their cartoon movie. And so at the end, everyone goes, Duke's okay! And that's the, like, it's a voiceover. That also uh, happens the, at, the extend, at the end of Expendables with Dolph Lundgren. <laughs> so. Okay. So all these children's movies. <laughs> all these basic children's movies. Yeah. Children's movies have gotten darker, I think. Yeah, much darker, yeah. Oh, Although I I don't know I mean Watership like I actually think like cartoons were way di- I'm I'm watching Sleeping Beauty and uh, fucking Snow White with my kid recently and like she's getting scared in a way that she's not at like Aladdin and Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, it's possible. That- I tell her to power through. Like this is this is how you become an adult. <laughs> no. Maybe it's I asked her I ask her if she wants to turn it off, but she does get like oh he's he's scary. 
I was going to say maybe it's because this is a live action movie. People get more upset, but like apparently not. Is is there a respectability factor that like Sleeping Beauty and Snow White were like, I don't know, from a respected studio that was established and this was from like this like upstart indie studio? Yeah, I don't know, but I, I, I remember, I mean, there's tons of these little sequences in like kids animated movies, especially that... Like people talk about, you know, fucking you up as a as a child, um, yeah. There or even like Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory and, and that tunnel, yeah, the tunnel sequence. Yeah. Wizard of Oz and the monkeys. I used to. Know I don't know. It's it's a weird it's a weird thing where some some things are like acceptably dark and scary, and then like this this isn't. I don't know. I think one of our themes this year has been movies that pissed off parent groups for no reason. I ho- that would be a great theme. Yeah. Although that means we might have talked about Dogma, and I don't want to talk about a Kevin Smith movie. Yeah, not at all. Um, <laughs> he's sort of the Zach Braff of Kevin Smith movies. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Kevin Smith is like one step up of Zach Braff. Like, he's made a movie you probably like, but you don't want to talk about him. Yeah, exactly. You're <laughs> like, you're like, you always talk, talk about him in terms of, yeah, but. Yeah. Yeah, but he did Clerks and Chasing Amy, and those are good. Yeah, I actually saw his his short for holidays. I kind of liked. Oh, I haven't seen I haven't seen holidays yet. Yeah, and I liked Red State, and those are both option. Those are both um, things that I like Red State too. I, I've been I've heard people be upset that I liked Red State and upset that I liked his short in holidays. Yeah, I just I don't like Kevin Smith as a person. I think that's my biggest problem. But he's made some movies I like. Um, so. So I, I yeah so let's let's just get into Splinter now because I I have no I have no, I, I I don't understand this I'm treat me like I've never heard any of this mythology before because I literally do not know which I can't assign a name a I can't assign a name to a color ninja turtle to a personality or to a weapon okay. I can't put I can't put any of those four together in any in any regard. Okay, what? So, what do you know? One, so I know all of that. <laughs> tell me, about, tell me, tell me about the Splinter guy. So Splinter, in again, extremely strange choice, uh, just to make him a rat and a pet of who, who the person who should be our protagonist in all other adaptations are is our protagonist, which is the rival of the person who becomes the Shredder. Um, he is so as a kid, his accent read to me as old man. Uh, it is super racist. Almost definitely. Uh, and I also like, I mean, Splinter was no one's favorite. If you met a kid that Splinter was his favorite, even in the cartoon or whatever, whatever version, he came from a troubled home. No, I, I like it didn't exist. No one liked Splinter. He was, he was the parent teacher stand in, which was a character that you as a child uh, understood needed to exist, but only like begrudgingly accepted its existence. Mm-hmm. Um, they were the person that to tell you that what you were doing was wrong and to keep you in boxes, uh, not literal boxes, unless you had really terrible parents or <laughs> teachers. Um, so, so, uh, but watching this now, Splinter like barely gives like fortune cookie advice. Like I, at least Says, as a kid, 
all fathers love their sons. Yeah. Oh my God. That's not true. Uh, not not true at all. Um, and or even just like sit down. Let me tell you your story. And he has this whole planned out like story that he must tell everyone that comes in there because it's like rehearsed. And he has a great beginning and ending. He's like, you um, motherfucker, sit down. I've been working on this oh, for four fucking years. Yeah, sit down. Oh, another woman they brought back. <laughs> um, there's like an alternate version where women are disappearing because of the ninja turtles. <laughs> but right before uh, they're killed, Splinter tells them their origin story. To not be confused. He um, just needs new audiences. But once they know the story, they can't live. Yeah, but I guess as a kid, I kind of saw him as like a, a a wise old man. And instead, he is just a idiotic, terrible, racist character. And and it's a ugly, for a being a Henson production, I think he's pretty ugly as a puppet. He's also like, I know he's supposed to be old and frail, but when he's like hanging up, and I know that's part of the puppetry because he's hard to animate. He's, like, tough to look at, and I remember that as a child as well, where it's like, oh, give him a sandwich. He's so weak and frail, and, you know, there's there's not the kind of, like, when Shredder's in its face, you want you want him to be, like, you know, someone who's standing at him and, and, and confronting him, even though he's locked him in prison. Not that he's at his, uh, the, the, his third year in the Hanoi Hilton. <laughs> it's not fun. Yeah, it's. It's hard to look at, yes, and he, but he's also not, like, ugly cute, which uh, Jim Henson is really good at. Like, there's a lot of Jim Henson creatures that are, like, ugly cute. Uh, like, uh, what's his face? What's Is it the Snuffleupagus? Who's the big fucking guy? Snuffle, yeah, Snuffleupagus. Um, I think a lot of, like, when you watch, like, Labyrinth or The Dark Crystal. Or, yeah, that's a better example. Or, like, any of, like, the Muppet, sh- the weirder Muppet show Muppets, they have this sense of, like, um... Yeah, like ugly cute. Yeah, or even even like uh, Gonzo. Yeah, Gonzo. Yeah, where it's like it, this would probably not pass muster pre Henson because it wouldn't be just like straight up cute cutesy enough, and it wouldn't make ki- little kids immediately smile. But like once the character starts acting, the little kid falls in love with it because it's strange looking. Like, and it's lovably yeah. strange looking, and it's supposed to be like. And a lot of the reason I loved the Muppets growing up, and still wa- like. Whenever I watch a Muppet movie, I always get charmed is because it doesn't strike me as a band of, like, cutesy entertainers. They strike me as a band of weirdos that all found each other. Like, that's what that's what's sweet to me. And they're not pandering to children. Yeah. Like, they're not trying to get this thing where, oh, I want that doll. They are they are like planting their flag where they want to be and letting children come to them instead of being like, do you want this? Do you want this? We'll give you this. This seems like you want. And I think that's why uh, the Muppets in most of their incarnations have, you know, survived. I can throw an episode of Fraggle Rock and be relatively entertained as an adult because there's, there's just not that here's your toy and we're trying to get you to do this and oh you want weapons or you want Pokemon to do whatever Pokemon do that that I missed the boat on that one um <laughs> it's it's really it's really like we have this aesthetic and we hope that people find us um and yeah it's it, it never as a kid watching anything Muppets I always felt like I was watching an adult movie 
made for children. Yeah, and I don't feel like I don't feel like this movie has that sort of um that sort of cleverness in the dialogue and I no. don't think and I think like the the Ninja Turtles in and of themselves are a pretty impressive feat uh as as you know a puppetry thing but Splinter does not not qualify no. as that. No, and again, it's just it's hard to watch someone that just looks like he's in pain and can barely open his eyes. Oh yeah, and he looks like he needs to be. He looks like a, a dog in a movie that's about to be put down. Yeah, yeah, like the dog at the. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and that's just not. It's not fun, and it also doesn't. You know, in the cartoons, he was always tough. He was not like this frail old man. He was a why. He was the wise sensei. But he wasn't like, help me up. Like, when he needed to kick ass, he could kick ass. And I just, it didn't work. It didn't work in these movies that same way. Uh, Maybe because they couldn't get the, you know, the kicks to look right. Or they didn't even want to try to animate or use use the splinter puppet in in fight scenes. So they kind of made him this, you know, Yoda figure instead and then the last scene of the movie he becomes yoda from uh, attack of the clones yeah but yoda but yoda who only dispenses the most obvious advice uh which actually makes sense because the shredder also is not a great i kind of remembered that speech that he gives finally when he shows up with his cape which is a pretty cool scene like he kind of walks like george orwellian like he's gonna throw the hammer at the TV in the 1984 Apple commercial, <laughs> um, and like this big concrete room. But his speech is fucking terrible. It is. It is. I'm your father. We're family, and that's like his entire convincing argument for like your parents don't like you. I mean, this is a direct quote. This is not me summarizing. This is your your families have abandoned you. I am your father. We are a family. That's a direct quote. <laughs> yeah, that's that's not like uh, you cut out seg- segments of where he was kind of like elaborating and painting a picture. That's just like, <laughs> yeah, it's like, like they had convincing people to turn to a life of crime. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like fill- it was filler dialogue that ended up in the movie. Yeah, um, it's like someone bullet pointed the script like, OK, so we want to hit these points during this speech and someone's like got it <laughs> i didn't realize that the shredder changed between movies i will say uh N- ninja turtles 2 shredder better as well he was the uh the guy from all the dharma videos uh in lost in the in the second movie oh really yeah that's pretty cool and, yeah he and he he has more of a goofy sense of humor i think he's a better actor in general and was able to add the the elements of uh, you know, comedy, like the the very quoted line, like "babies, they are babies." <laughs> um, this um, I I didn't know that that was an actor change either. Um, essentially, the only two people that made it to, from the first and the second one are the voice of Michelangelo and the voice of Leonardo. April O'Neil was recast. Um, I don't think they realized this was going to be as big of a hit, and then the production, and they didn't realize production was going to be as hellish as it was. Um. And then once they had the chance, they were like, we're going to clear shop. Like, this became too expensive of a property for them to have uh, people they were worried about. So despite the fact that I like the second movie, 
this these movies were made at the most I think like peak cynicism of children's movies where fuck it we're giving them Ninja Turtles we can recast everyone no one gives a shit yeah on that note how have our New York accents not come out in this podcast yeah why are we talking about them getting a New York slice I mean, we could have said pizza pie uh, over and over. Why are we having a serious discussion about this movie? Pizza pie. Have a pizza pie. Have a pizza pie. This is my New York accent. (laughs) You're just a soft-spoken New Yorker, which is also a valid way to be in New York. (laughs) (laughs) I did have when I was in New York. So once I was walking uh, my brother's dog and uh, my dog shit. I cleaned up the poop, uh, as you're supposed to if you're in any way a decent human being. And I threw it into a trash can. And then a guy with a big, thick New York accent goes, Hey, buddy! And I was like, oh, fuck. I'm about to get yelled at by a Brooklynite. Like, this sucks. And I turn around and go, hey, hey what's up? And he goes, oh, you uh, you accidentally put your uh, the dog poop in the recycling can. In the future, just pay more attention. It's fine. And I said, oh, I can, I can get it for you. And he said, oh, no, it's fine. I'll get it. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> why did you... Why did you have to so accurately smash all my and then stereotypes? You went back to your home and are like, oh, big city liberals, and wrote a blog <laughs> about how uh, the heartland is the true land. <laughs> I can't believe he he didn't he told me not to do, not what to do, but just to be a little bit more careful when I'm using his trash cans. Recycling? What's that? <laughs> Uh, oh, these big city people and their two garbage cans. <laughs> God, it, it was a it was a stereotype smashing day. That's great. I kind of expected that story to go. That's Tom's house. <laughs> <laughs> so the the TV show. I don't know about the comics, um, but the TV show is like almost a very fantastical. I mean, there's a Dimension X and all of these aliens that go through a portal, and so it is kind of strange they decide to make this like, hey, we're in New York. Yeah, this one is this is definitely feels compromised by budget and also like the first movie in like a series that's going to get crazier. Like they only hint at the ooze, like they're kind of embarrassed by it. The <laughs> the weirdness, the weirdness gets Don't be, up. you know what? I I say this to to people all the time. Don't be embarrassed by your ooze. It's a natural part of growing up. You're going to get some ooze. Yeah, you're going to get some ooze. Someday you're going to you're going to wake up and um the person that you you love most in life is going to realize that you you've got ooze too and like maybe that'll make you closer maybe yeah they are embarrassed by that they're not embarrassed to have a weird vision quest yeah that was as that's ninjas like, as ninjas do yeah as ninjas are wont to do uh i think that's that's basically like i was saying earlier i think this movie is basically just supposed to be a martial arts movie yeah because um, it does feel like it's 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 a piece of other stuff that we've watched, uh, Jim Cotta and other canon movies and stuff, where it's it's got this sort of like, it's like a shaggy dog exploitation movie, but it's because it's not quite fantastical the way Secret of the Ooze is. Like I remember the pizza even in Secret of the Ooze is like they make a big deal out of it. Yeah, it looks more edible. Yeah. Well, this movie has Domino's Pizza in its, uh, like, it's a product placement, and I am somewhat convinced that that was the reason why growing up I always pushed for Domino's over Pizza Hut. Oh, see, I hated Domino's, and like Pizza Hut, that's where that land before time and the bucket thing comes in. 
Yeah, and also they had a uh, they had I think Pizza Hut had free tapes of X Men shows. Like if you bought a large pizza, you could get like the first two episodes of the X Men animated series for free. So like Pizza Hut had some good shit going on, and now to this day, if I'm buying garbage pizza, like we're all we're all like drinking too much and hanging out, like some deep part of me really just wants Domino's. I don't know. It's it's built in there. It's wired in. And I don't know why. And also, I live in. You live in Minneapolis. I live in Chicago. Like, there's really no reason to ever order any of these pizza places ever again. Well, if you live in the suburbs, there is. Yeah. I I try to go Papa John's, uh, and then I try never to read what his political beliefs are. <laughs> uh-huh. I stopped eating Jimmy John's because I found out some shit about like how he hunts like endangered animals and shit, and I was like. <sighs> Just eventually, ever you find out every rich person is hot garbage. Yeah, I actually, I actually hate. Um, I don't like Pizza Hut now, um, but it was it was my favorite when I was a kid. But I think it was also because it had the the restaurants that you could eat in, and they had toys. Like they, I think they were more appealing to like, let's go here, let's go here and have a pizza, have a pizza pie. <laughs> so they said in, in in small town North Dakota, they had, they said we went to the Pizza Hut buffet, <laughs> have a pizza pie. And they also had that video game that, like, you could play a minute of Super Mario World or F-Zero. That was fun. That's pretty cool. Um, did, did an Italian stereotype teach you how to properly put quarters in the machines? Yeah. Oh, hey! <laughs> Those are nickels! <laughs> hey, what are you doing? Forget about what, it. What are you trying to pull here, bud? <laughs> you trying to pull one over on me? Yeah. Uh, um, you pizza-faced little punk. You little punk. <laughs> I'll turn you into a pepperoni. We're working in this kitchen back here with Mama. This <laughs> is a family-owned Pizza Hut establishment. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know if they franchise. So I want to talk about a couple just disparate moments that are bizarre that I loved. So I, I doubt that HR approved of April O'Neil getting fired over answering machine. <laughs> Uh, I doubt as well, and also her getting rehired at uh, apparently a 900% uh, increase and got a corner office, and I don't think HR ran through any of this. The best part is is that from the firing to her getting her job back, I don't think you really see much of the boss. Like, he, the boss is... Why is the boss and why is this kid in the movie? So, so the, I think the kid is so that you get an inside look into, like, Shredder's organization. So you see it from the ground up where like they're like recruiting kids by like basically having a big arcade where you can skateboard. Probably pretty cool if you're like a 14-year-old who listens to Rancid and wants to be a cool kid. <laughs> um, I like Rancid, but there is a kid wearing a Rancid in a Sid Vicious shirt, so. Is that is that Easy kid um, is that kid baby uh, Sam Rockwell? Uh, no, but Baby Sam Rockwell is awesome in this movie. Yeah. In that he doesn't do anything. Yeah. Regulars uh, are menthols. And then at the end he's like, but uh, 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 Shredder's my family. Yeah. We're like, but, but we're a family. No, Shredder lied to you. Oh. <laughs> Interesting. I had not considered that. Let's all turn around. <laughs> I, will, I will turn around my life of crime immediately. Yeah, they. I you know I hate saying it, but they needed more speeches in this movie. They they just they just kept giving the bullet point versions. Everyone's like, I never thought of that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And there's this little kid, like the little kid in the movie, is like he's supposed to be this little shit. And so the the reporter Danny, yeah, he's supposed to be this little shit. And the reporter is friends with him because her boss 
is it's the boss's kid like, I don't know if he's. I don't know if he's. She's friends with him. Well, she gives him a painting, and she seems like all happy that she that he asked for it. Yeah, but I. I don't think that like like they're a, not going to dinner dates to talk about work. They're going to talk about how Betty is so negative at work, and it's like, how the fuck are you supposed to live the secret if with people like that around you? You know. Although we do know that she's into teenagers. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> what is what, um, why? Okay, so Casey Jones is is an adult. Wait, wait, hold being, on, right? hold on. Well, let's, let's let's yeah, he is. Who just beats up people with uh, literally only sports equipment because yeah, he's incapable of fighting at the end. Yeah, he can he? He's in, it's just so he could have new different weapons. Yeah, uh, for his action figure, but he's incapable of fighting at the end. Then finds like a golf club and and then is able to just. Destroy a ninja master. <laughs> his one, his one religion is sports, and he he's a big believer in it. I, 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 I do not understand who. I do not understand why Casey Jones is in this movie. I understand what child A is interested in uh, April O'Neil as a reporter because there's just like this subplot about uh, Shredder silencing her voice at the paper. Didn't need any of that. Didn't need yeah, her reporter the, job. Her the report- police are corrupt. The papers are corrupt. It's actually a pretty timely. Um, like what movie? If you ask me, <laughs> like why? Why is the boss even in the movie? Like why isn't she just like I'm here in the middle of this chaos? I'm getting into adventures. I will report on this story. You can tell that like this. This is a movie that was made for adults imagining what kids need, and that's something that I that we talk about journalist a lot. integrity. Yeah, that we talk about a lot, though, like in kids' movies, where kids' movies are usually at their worst when adults, like, I, I just want to say, like, they almost can't imagine what it's like to be a kid. They, I, I know adults who don't seem to remember their childhood at all, and I always imagine that they're bad parents and like and would be bad at creating children's television content because you need to have a sense of like what what's important to a child and we we talk about all the time with like trying to add a, like a a children's protagonist so that the kids can have someone to identify and you don't need them to identify with the child the kid's going to be fine identifying with Han Solo or Indiana Jones. Like, you don't need Jake Lloyd. Or these goddamn Ninja Turtles. If these kids are on board with the Ninja Turtles, they're going to yeah. identify with one of them. Exactly. That's and why they ostensibly have four personalities. Yeah. <laughs> on paper. On paper. Four, on paper, they have four personalities. But that's why, um, like, Casey Jones, Danny, these are these are all clearly designed from adults who didn't realize that the kids were watching the cartoon show who has no... Like, April's there so that they can have the one female character so that they're not completely ruling out the 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 girls' market. Um, all those shows had, like, there was one woman Transformer. There's, like, one one G.I. Joe who's a woman. Like, they all had that. It's usually That's why somewhat April's condescending. There. Like, it's the oh, yeah, pink, terrible. The pink it's Power absolutely Ranger terrible. Uh, yep. who's only allowed to fall in love with the white or green Power Ranger, not the black one. Like, yeah, I mean... It's it's total garbage. Like, and I, I hope that kids shows don't do that to this. Like, it's okay to have a TV show for boys and a TV show for girls, but the way that they were like, girls can't like this stuff, but just in case they do, we'll get them an action figure for them. Um, yeah, exactly. This is <laughs> when you overpower your little sister and make her watch this show with you. Uh, she'll eventually grow attached to April O'Neil. 
it is weird that kids were totally on board with the Ninja Turtles and they constantly added more characters to underline the ridiculousness of the Ninja Turtles as a way for kids to get access to them, which was a totally unnecessary way. Kids just wanted Ninja Turtles. Exactly. Kids just wanted those sweet, sweet Ninja Turts. Uh, one of those turt, those turts. <laughs> that, I, agree, I agree entirely, and that's why I'm so confused by Casey Jones being in the movie so much, especially because he El- was a big Eli- part of the comic book. Because Eli- so. Elias Codius also is like, how old is he supposed to be? Because Elias Codius permanently looks like an old man. Yeah, he does. He was. He was. I don't know how to put this old in man a nice, face. I don't. I don't know how to put this in a nice way, but he was off-putting as a child i remember yeah he was not he was not someone who i wanted to be on screen more his his i liked casey jones the action figure i I think i liked him on the cartoon he wasn't there that often but casey jones in this movie i remember thinking that uh made for the sequel kino was a step up yeah, yeah, I think like there were problems with it, which is weird because Elias Codius is a really great actor, but I think he just needed to grow into his face and grow into uh, what, what kind of performances he had, and also give him like somewhat decent dialogue. It's a very yeah, like like you see him in Zodiac, and it's like that's three years after this movie. Um, <laughs> changes happened quickly, very quickly. Eventually, he found a face he liked. Yeah, so I want to talk about a couple uh, of my favorite parts uh, quick, and then, I don't know, we could probably wrap this up. Yo, let's um, do it. So, I love, this is this is not a, this is a laughing at, because I just, I don't understand the concept for this scene. There's a part where Michelangelo and Donatello, the orange and the purple, the nunchuck and the bow staff, whatever helps you, <laughs> um, are watching cartoons, and... They're watching just a cartoon with a rabbit and another animal. And Michelangelo says at the TV, after he's getting all hyped up and being like shouting commands, says, Ninja kick the damn rabbit. <laughs> um, so I love that they're... I, I don't know if the idea is that they are so sheltered living in the sewers that they don't understand how cartoons and TV work. That you you shouldn't get frustrated that the things on TV are not following your orders, as he clearly is. Second, I also like that on this, what I imagine is not a violent cartoon that they are watching. His answer for everything is to ninja kick the damn rabbit. Yeah, I, I don't understand any of their personalities, like from start to finish. But are they, they, they refer to Casey Jones as being like a nine-year-old in a 30-year-old's body or whatever they say. Um, yeah. Aren't 30s they, generous. Yeah. <laughs> aren't the Ninja Turtles really the nine-year-olds in a 30-year-old's body or whatever? I mean, they're teenage. I think they're like 15 or 16. Well, I mean, they are teenage, I guess. <laughs> yeah. It's, in their, it's literally the first modifier to their yeah. name. Yeah, teenage was the most important thing to get across. Like, these are children that are should not be held responsible for their actions. <laughs> like, they should not be tried as adults in a court of law. Yeah, as vigilantes. Um, vicious vigilantes. Vicious, uh, vicious uh, vigilantes. One of the other things I will say, this movie gave me a while, probably. Now, I've never been down in one, but I imagine that 
this movie is giving me a wild misconception of what uh, going inside a sewer would be like. Uh, when I was a little kid, so this is kind of a, a strange thing. When I was a little kid, we had a uh, reservoir, uh, you know, a big, big uh, grassy hole in our neighborhood that we... Of course, uh, the, the grass hole. Yeah. All towns have one. Yeah, uh, and ours had a little hill at the top so we could uh, sled down there when we were kids. And at the bottom, there was this, like, massive uh, vent thing to go down in the sewers. And when I was a kid, I, like, was convinced that that's where my Indiana Jones adventure was. Yep. And I'm sure this movie did not, uh, did not, did not dissuade me from the idea that there was a big adventure waiting for me down there. And I could just never find anybody that thought it was a good idea. <laughs> Otherwise, I definitely would have been one of those kids who got lost in a sewer. I remember I found a cave at one point, and yeah, every kid, every kid wanted an adventure. Like this isn't going to be a cave that I can go in for five feet. This is going to be a cave that leads to caverns and treasure. Uh, again, movies lied to us all, and all of our anger and disappointment as adults is because we never went on our adventures. Yeah, and then it, uh, Stephen King's It was uh, there to convince me that sewers were actually terrifying. <laughs> that's what kept that's what kept you at bay. Yeah, it's exactly. Like, Watch this. This is where you have adventures. This is where you get killed for having those adventures. Yeah, you choose, Pete. <laughs> either way, um, up to you. Either way. Uh, I think Tatsu uh, does not add that much. I love his little hand motions to stop and start fighting uh and then when it's time for them to disappear just yelling he does this in the second one too which is just ninja vanish because <laughs> you need to modify everything as a ninja vanish thank god you're there tatsu to hold your hand out to stop the fighting when you want to check out what the turtles are saying want to hear some quips close your hand when it's time to fight again yeah thank you for saying ninja vanish uh as opposed to uh stepfather vanish <laughs> oh my god a breakthrough <laughs> <laughs> i also like the, their reaction to uh to raf getting the shit kicked out of him being close to death is just to put him in a tub for a while that's how it works like yeah. i get that he's a turtle and i mean but he's not an amphibian like they're reptiles water i guess is fine for for reptiles, it's not going to hurt them. Turtles like water. Turtles love but water. There's never a discussion. I know it's tough to bring a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle to the doctor, but <laughs> they are just letting him soak in a tub until, I don't know, I guess we hope he wakes up. That's a one-way ticket to the box, Mr. Turtle Boy. I hope there's no stories out there that you'd have to read on, like, microfilm at your local library of, like, someone's friend as a kid who like got into a got like maybe a biking accident hurt himself real bad and uh his friend's reaction is to drag him to a pond and throw him in there <laughs> check on him occasionally he's not getting any better oh this worked on ninja turtles he's still asleep and he smells worse i guess he's not a fighter or a warrior <laughs> yeah he's as good as dead anyway so what'd you like about the movie you don't have the same nostalgia you haven't watched this in a long time and clearly you haven't even taken the time. Can you name all four colors of the bandanas? I knew that. I remember getting annoyed that there was red and orange. I remember thinking that was like incredibly yeah. short-sighted. Uh, I'm guessing there's also a blue and a purple to make yep. me more confused. Yeah. You can't do green. Because they are green. They're green. What about yellow? Nope. 
What about black? That's, that's close. Yellow and orange are closer than red in them. Not in this tone. The movie looks so faded. Like, it, it's just like it didn't, it didn't, the film style. It's weird. And I watched the Blu-ray too. Yeah. It, it, I had a hard time telling, especially because I couldn't t- discern anybody's personality except for that whoever the red one was seemed sad all the time. Yeah. He was kind of the asshole. Ra- Raphael was fine. But as a kid, you're like, just participate in the group events. <laughs> Every story, kid's story needs an Eeyore. So yeah. the really, really sad kids have someone to identify with. He ends up kind of being the quasi lead. I think that's more of the issue is that they need a lead. Yeah. And Leonardo, who's just like the guy that does everything he's supposed to, is not that interesting. Uh, you know, Donatello in the second one is the problem solver. And this one is like the second Michelangelo. And Michelangelo's the guy just like, you know, saying quips, quote unquote quips. So, you know, you need to... Raphael is, like, conflicted. He's sad that he's a turtle. He wants to get out. He's not with the group. So he makes sense as kind of being, like, the lead and the and the uh, person who's pushing the plot forward. Yeah, and he's pushing the plot forward by Humphrey Bogart voices. No, that's Michelangelo. That's Michelangelo. See, I don't know who any of these fucking people are. Um... Also, if they keep doing these, like, parody voices of each other, I'll never figure out who's... (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's funny, because in the second one, Raphael has the exact same arc. He gets pissed and leaves and gets kidnapped. (laughs) Nice. So you didn't learn after the first one? No. Did he learn any lessons from the ninja rap? Uh, I I think he learned that he's a green machine and and is going to rock the town without being seen. That's a good lesson to learn. That's a good lesson to learn. Uh... I don't know if we'll ever do the second one, but the second one does have my favorite line in any of these movies where Raph is kidnapped and he has uh, – at this point, the the Foot Clan is in a junkyard uh, and he has tape over his mouth and uh, the other Ninja Turtles are trying to rescue him and they're like whispering like, it's a little quiet. Yeah, a little too quiet. And then it's a um, – it's a little too empty. Yeah, a little too empty. And then they see, hey, look, there's Raph. And Michelangelo says, yeah, a little too Raph. <laughs> <laughs> which I think which I think is a legitimately very funny line and delivery. Sounds like a great movie. Why didn't we watch that? It's way better. <laughs> um, I, I like ha- being blasphemous. Uh, because really, the maybe this can lead to some favorite moments and wrap-up thoughts, but the... The the I mentioned this earlier, but the party line is the first one's good. Ninja Turtles two I feel like has become the Ghostbusters two. Another movie, by the way, I really really like still, even if it's not as good as the first one, which is not I guess the same position. But the I think I feel like the position of or the consensus right now is that the first one is actually good, and the second one, if you like it, it's just because you have shitty nostalgia. Yeah, I've heard that as well, um, and I disagree heavily on um, Ghostbusters 2 at a minimum. Yeah. It recaptures a lot of the, the magic of the original. It's just clearly uh, yeah, a, a slight disappointment from the first. I, I, I hate that position in general that's like more and more prevalent in uh, film criticism that if you like something, you you like it because you're – you were wrong as a kid, and that has carried you into a a wrong adulthood somehow. I'm generally against anything that pushes out conversations. Like somebody just saying, but I think it goes both ways. Somebody just saying, you know, I just loved it since I was a kid. 
or someone just saying it's so fucking good <clears throat> good i'm not even going to talk about why it's good is uh just as bad as someone saying like oh yeah you're just nostalgic like you you can't even engage with your own your own biases like that's a it's a useless thought absolutely useless yeah so i i think i mean i enjoy both of them um i thought the second was better as a kid uh, better and better might not even be the right word. Like I enjoy the second one more. I enjoyed the second one more as a kid, and I enjoy it still more as an adult. And and maybe that is just a carryover. But I feel like I watched both of them quite a bit as a kid. I think the second one just had had more of what I was looking for then. Has a goofy fun that I'm looking for now in in a way that this one doesn't. I don't. This is. This is where I, it gets tricky because I don't want to say this isn't like a good movie, but I don't think this is a, I don't think either of them are good movies in the sense that like I'll defend Hook as a good movie. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to defend these as a good movie, but they're a lot of fun if you are already into what what is being presented on screen. No one's going to watch this and be convinced to like the Ninja Turtles, especially nowadays. Uh, but, you know, it. it if you have to watch one of them, I'm going to go for the second one every time because it is it's it's ridic- it embraces its ridiculousness more and this one while while not as ridiculous doesn't isn't actually committed to any sort of like uh adult or serious tone that some of its bigger proponents claim it does that it this one actually feels more ridiculous because it's such a half-assed attempt to to bring a uh, level of darkness to the material. Yeah, I, uh, having not seen the sequel uh, in years, uh, I can't really speak to which one is uh, the better one. Um, or, you know, even if the fucking remakes are better. Like, I can't speak to which aspect of this culture is, is better. But this was kind of an eye-opening experience in terms of, like... Um, is kind of an eye-opening experience in terms of the, the nostalgia that people have for the series and that like i just there's something in here that's just not clicking like i just my brain does not cannot learn the names of the ninja turtles like but i did enjoy the sequ- the sequences i enjoy the costumes of the ninja turtles and i enjoy the the uh sequences of them fighting because sometimes it's it's pretty impressive Plus, I also think, it, uh, you know, not to interrupt, but I also think that this this movie's fight scenes are made for children. And why that works still as an adult is because when it comes to showing fight scenes for children, you're trying to get a ton of cool moments stacked on top of each other. And that still works when done well for adults. Yeah. Because it is just cool. It's not a lot of, like, uh, process fighting. It's a lot of, like, now he ducks his head under when the giant metal thing comes. And now he's spinning a nunchuck on his, on his you know, finger. And now he's taking out three guys with one, like, that, that thing that they did to make the fight scenes entertaining for children still makes them very entertaining for adults. I think that's one of my my problems with the movie generally is that I want less Casey Jones and I want uh, less Splinter stepping in in the last minute of the movie. And I want them to, like, figure out what to do with these four characters because I just they don't I don't think we spent it's such a weird thing, but I don't think we spend enough time with these four characters. Yeah, it's um, I also also think you have anything about them. I also think you have a form of turtle dysmorphia. (laughs) All turtles look the same to me. 
All turtles look the same. Here's an idea. What if they gave each of the turtles a fun hat to help me differentiate between them? You know, it makes sense because Roger Ebert called this the best possible Ninja Turtle movie that could be made in his two and a half star review. <laughs> and in the in the in the sequel, started his review by saying he called the first one the best possible Ninja Turtle movie that could be made, and this sequel proved his point. <laughs> um, but his criticism was similar: is that he couldn't tell them apart, and why they don't have distinct enough personalities that they're they're teaching kids that a different bandana makes you a different personality and it's it's so weird to have that conversation with you like i was explaining it to an old man who was out of his element because <laughs> but i get it because this is this is probably like the version of someone tried to explain pokemon to me i know there's i'm not trying to criticize pokemon or anything, but any attempt to penetrate the series has been like trying to speak a new language fluently on day one, where I'm just overwhelmed and confused and frustrated. I felt like that in junior high when Pokemon was really big, and now that I have a bunch of people that are like close to my age that are really into Pokemon Go, or I don't know how many times I had Pokemon Go explained to me, and I still just couldn't quite get the concept besides just you see things like I got how the game worked but I didn't understand the point or how it was enjoyable (laughs) and I do think that maybe Pokemon Ninja Turtles these weird artifacts that have survived somehow for 20 or 30 years uh, so that every generation of children still gets exposed to them that there is an entry point and if you miss that entry point age this is like just complete confusing nonsense to you i think you said it better than i could have said it especially like right now and because i think that there's actually something magical about a lot of children's entertainment wherein if you don't get this like pure distilled concept it's just gonna be fucking nonsense to you and like you might as well just move on because like you can explain why you know boo from monsters inc is cute but if you don't find like her and Sully's dynamic, it, it, like enticing, like there's nothing is ever gonna, like I can imagine it's like somebody growing up today and be like, why do we need a little kid in the movie? I just want to see the monsters have fun, like so, sort of like with me and Casey Jones. Like I, there's something about children's entertainment that has like a sort of pureness to it, uh, and a lot of it has to do with the simplicity of it. And I'm like, if you don't like the pure distilled concept of this monster or this creature. You might not give a shit about it. Well, I'm not trying to call it a bad example, but I do think something like Monsters, Inc. is different because that is a smartly designed children's movie. Oh, no, I'm talking about merely the the characters as themselves. Because, like, I I think children's entertainment that is not even trying to include the whole family ends up being so esoteric and specific that – there is just a point that you just miss the boat, and I just can't imagine someone all of a sudden getting into a lot of this stuff. It's why, uh, you know, for the most part, the like the true kid shows, there's not that many 30-year-olds that are watching the new kid shows. Like, unless they are, like, the type that have, that are made with the idea that this will be enjoyable for kids and then enjoyable for adults and not always for the same reason. I agree. 
yeah, it's it's uh, something that I may never understand. So uh, I'm glad. We, so, that being said, I'm next st- week Ninja Turtles two: Secret of the Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still glad that we watched this. I think it was a great pick. Yeah, it, it's it is a culturally important property, which is a weird thing to say about something that basically designed as like what seems like from re- reading some of the original strips, like a lark. Like the fact that it the, was, the yeah. foot was the foot was uh, a, a parody of the hand from Marvel Comics. Like it's it's a weird thing that it's treated very sincerely and very seriously now, considering that like yeah, it was it was it supposed to be kind of a joke. Yeah, and it became serious somewhat quickly. Uh, there's a there's a there's an interesting documentary that's on Hulu, I think, right now called Turtle Power. That kind of like goes through it's it's not that in depth, but it goes through a lot of big bullet points of like how quickly the Ninja Turtles took off, uh, which is very interesting to see, like something that just felt like it was always there as a child, like kind of point by point of, oh, yeah, no, this blew up insanely quickly also, in a way that most things don't. Also, kids entertainment, like that's part of the beauty of it is that kids are like unironic and sincere about stuff. So kids falling in love with Ninja Turtles. Like, yes, it was part of a concerted marketing effort, but it was also like something about these characters attached to kids. So like, yeah. And I also am glad we did it because again, I hadn't seen it in a couple years. And, and as I mentioned earlier, my experience with seeing it was like, I'm, I'm in my most childlike state I get to as an adult. So let's relive things I loved as a child, which is like the, quintessential drunk movie watching mm-hmm. is now I can like all this shit that I don't like anymore when my brain's working. <laughs> um, but I, you know, I just have heard so much the ubiquitous thing of this is the good one. And I just, that never lined up for me. Like I always preferred the second one. And maybe, maybe you could say that I felt that way. <sighs> I, I feel the same way, you know, this is nostalgia again. And I still just feel the same way I always did, but, you know, I this is this is not a legitimate classic. This is enjoyable if you like the Ninja Turtles. If you're converted, you're converted. So yeah, so thanks for appearing. Uh, I don't, I forgot how we transition when it's just the two of us. We don't have to thank a guest. Aaron, thank you for appearing. Do you have any? Hey, Peter, do you have anything to plug? Uh, no, I got nothing. Uh, I got one thing. So I'm, yeah, I'm on. We love to watch. Um, <laughs> Check it out. It's on iTunes. Um, Other things. Nice. I have this podcast called uh, Listen to Our Podcast. Uh, Originally, Aaron was a co-host of it, and I tricked him into starting a different podcast. And uh, Listen to Our Podcast is a podcast that uh, is better now without him. That makes sense. Um, (laughs) It's also a purely thought experiment-based platform. (laughs) Yeah, it's, it doesn't actually exist. You can't find it on any of your, your favorite podcatchers. Um, Sometimes you might dream about it. Yeah. And wake up and go, was that? Oh, Joe's a dream. And please uh, wake up, review it in your dream journal, and then eat that piece of paper. I think we've made a similar joke before. Yeah. That's how many episodes we've done. <laughs> we've we've so, done all the jokes. Yep. So next week we are we're doing, we're finishing off uh, kind of a shortened month. Uh, we, we haven't really mentioned this. We might as well do it just very quickly now. Uh, one thing that I think we're going to start doing more of is that some of our months will be uh, will be three movies and some of them will be uh, four movies. We'll try to pick based on if there's uh, you know four movies we really want to do 
Uh, it's to give us a week off and also allow, allow for the potential for more uh, one-off episodes like our best of 2015 that we did last week or two weeks ago uh, and stuff like that. So it'll either be three, it'll be four. We'll let you guys know and we'll we'll try to we'll try to still have something on those off weeks. But you know what? We're human beings and we need breaks, guys. Yeah, I think doing four a month was a little much. I don't want to go down to two, but uh, doing three to four a month is uh, a better way. So we don't actually have to take like a full we have to take actual full breaks off the show. Yep. Um, so so next week is uh, the final. The final uh, episode of uh, Motherfucking Ninja Month, and that is uh, the canon movie that I am so excited to watch this week because I've bought the Blu-ray like four months ago and been holding on to it till we did it for the show, and that is Ninja 3 Domination, which I have not seen. Uh, I know Peter has. Yep, I, uh, I've seen the movie, and uh, yeah, I'll save my thoughts for next week. It is certainly it is certainly a crazy canon movie, and I think uh, after New Year's Evil, which is a pretty um, you know it's, it's it's not chock full of crazy canon moments. This is like a true insane canon movie that has like a core competency that's matched with a complete uh, lack of cohesion <laughs> that makes it feel like three or four movies stuffed together, and it's all the better for it. I am so excited for that. So, uh, and we're going to be joined on that one by uh, Dustin Adam and Koski Koski. Uh, yep. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> uh, no, no. Uh, and then uh, we'll, we'll we'll announce uh, we'll announce February as well. Uh, we're not going to do the dates yet because we don't have all that lined up, but we do have. Um, Guests and movies picked out. So, so to keep with our alliteration theme, we're going to be doing February Future Sports, uh, and we're going to be doing Death Race Two Thousand: The Blood of Heroes. Right? Mm-hmm. Is that what that called? I, I've never heard of that one before. A, you added to the list. So. I've never seen it either, but it's got Ruger Hauer in it. So that's enough. That's enough for me. Uh, the original Rollerball, and then The Running Man. So. We'll announce uh, dates and guests next week, but that is what's coming up in February. Yep, pretty excited about that one. And, uh, yep, that was originally supposed to be a uh, a riff on the fact that the Super Bowl uh, falls in February. So... Do you get it? So, yeah. Sports. So, yeah, if you're wondering why we're doing that... It's because of the the other sports. It's because of the sports. This is going to be, like, (laughs) twice the sports now be so much sports guys um all right aaron i need to be can we end this (laughs) (laughs) good night heroes on a half shell they're on a mission when there's a battle got the enemy wishing that they stayed at home instead of fighting these ninja masters with moves like lightning they were once normal but now the mutants Squint is the teacher so they are the students leonardo michelangelo and donatello make up the team with one other fellow Raphael. He's the leader of the group transformed from the norm by the... Hey, folks, thanks for listening to We Love to Watch. If you want to get in touch with us, please reach out to us at either our website, WLTWpodcast.com, or our Facebook group, facebook.com backslash We Love to Watch. And, uh, yeah, reach out to us. Give us some feedback. Give us some support. Uh, suggest movies for the show. All that. We are also available on SoundCloud, TuneIn, Stitcher, and iTunes. Thanks for listening.